What's up, everybody? I hope you're ready for all the sauce today. I'm Josh Swing, and on behalf of the Wild Spark team, welcome to the Secret Sauce Podcast, where we chat with Chick fil A operators about their secret sauce for creating a culture of care and a movement of multiplying leaders. It's time for your fun fact of the day. Did you know that sheep are extremely perceptive? They have rectangular pupils that allow them to have a 320 degree field of vision, which means facing forward, they can see almost everything around them without even moving their heads. You may be thinking, Josh, what in the world does this have to do with leadership? Well, hold on just a second because you're about to find out. Joining me today is Nick Westbrook. He's a husband, he's a father, and he's the operator of the Chick-fil-A in Hinesville, Georgia. Nick has an incredible story and an incredible team that's built on this foundation of shepherd leadership, which he's going to break down for all of us. Get ready to take some notes, people, because things are about to get practical. Let's hop in. Nick, welcome to the show. I don't know about you, but I am fired up, man. How's it going? Yeah, it's going great. Thanks, Josh. Very excited to be here. Thanks for allowing me to be on. Absolutely, man. It is a no-brainer. I heard your story for the first time, I guess, at Next when I think it was in Orlando or Anaheim. I can't remember which one. They all kind of blur together. Yeah, And then we got reconnected here recently and developed a personal relationship and um, I knew immediately that we had to have you on. There's so much value that you're going to be able to share with everybody. My first question is going to be, what's the sauce that you cannot live without? If we did away with every sauce at Chick-fil-A other than Polynesian, I would be absolutely okay because that Polynesian sauce is good on anything. You can use it on salads for salad dressing. You can use it for anything. Amen and, and amen. That's a pro tip there. If, if you have not yet, drizzle a little bit of a Polynesian over that over that Cobb salad and it just takes it mm. to the next level. Um, Absolutely. So another pro tip, Cobb salad, grilled nuggets with Polynesian sauce. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. <laughs> yes, it is my pleasure. I'm leaving this podcast and, and heading straight to the closest Chick-fil-A. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Nick. Uh, well, man, let's uh, let's dive into the purpose of this of this podcast episode, and that's going to be for you to share a little bit about your secret sauce. I know firsthand you lead your team extremely well there in Hinesville. What is the thing that you're most focused on as uh, the owner operator for for your store and where do you focus to make the biggest impact with your team? And what does that model look like, Nick? Yeah, thanks for saying that. Well, experts would tell you that everything rises and falls on leadership, right? And so, you know, we've got a team of 130 team members. In that case, man, our team, our business, our culture, um, our experience that our guests have are going to rise and fall on our leadership. And so we focus a lot of that on the leaders that we have, our director team, our executive director team, our captains and team leaders, the structure that we have, we focus a lot on developing those leaders. And if I had to say what our secret sauce is, it's really this model of leadership that we try to emulate is a biblical type of leadership, this concept called shepherd 
leadership to where each leader will lead as as a shepherd, right? But they are there to shepherd those that are entrusted to them so that their flock, those entrusted to them, would thrive and therefore um, the organization thrive. So that is awesome. And I know we have uh, a lot of a lot of believers who are going to be listening to this podcast. I'd love for you to share just briefly where's the foundation of that comes from? Where, where would yeah. they go to, to learn about where you've pulled the shepherd leader model from? One, it's modeling, it's modeling the life of Christ, who is, you know, called our good shepherd. But it's also really found scripturally, almost verse for verse in Psalm 23. It was introduced to me, Psalm 23, I got reintroduced to in a really painful time in my life where uh, pre-Chick-fil-A, when I was really driving hard in my 20s, and for all types of success and accomplishment, I almost lost my marriage. My wife and I were separated, ended up going to organization that's um, ran by Chick-fil-A. It's Windshape, a Windshape marriage intensive. But pre-going to that intensive, I had a mentor of mine sit down with me and share Psalm 23 with me. And he said, I want you to read this every single day. And as I began to read it, I realized that, man, this is David crying out to the Lord, thanking him for the way that he has led him through his life. And this model of being a shepherd, this image of being a shepherd all through the Bible is one that that God has put out there for us to kind of see, hey, this is a really great way to influence people and to help them thrive and, and, and for really the world to thrive in a way of this walking through this model of shepherd leadership. You know, he, you know, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness all the way through those six verses and really what it means to lead as a shepherd leader. Really, the leader can't thrive unless the flock thrives. And so really what we try to do is as shepherd leaders in our organization, and you have people entrusted to you, and that's whether you're a t-ball coach, or you're a team leader at Chick-fil-A, you're a father, you're a husband, a spouse, a Sunday school teacher, you have souls entrusted to you to care for. And we really think that the best way to care for them so that they thrive is to lead as a shepherd. And so that's how we do that. You, you've created a lot of clarity around even breaking down that verse in Psalm 23. Sure. And the different pieces of it that build up <clears throat> that shepherd leadership model and this, the support and everything that you give for the team that every leader receives, it's on board there mm-hmm. at Chick-fil-A Hinesville. Walk me through those key things that you've clarified as focuses for this. Sure. Well, I think what we see and what well, so you have to ask yourself, if I'm a lead as a shepherd, what does a shepherd do? You see these things all through the six verses of Psalm 23, but also if you actually studied shepherds, which I've now read like a ton of books, visited shepherds, um, <laughs> interviewed shepherds to find out like, how do you do this? When I see that God has painted this picture for us of what, what real leadership is, is guiding as a shepherd, is this a good shepherd knows, guides, protects and provides for their flock. They really work hard at knowing their flock, knowing each and every every one of the souls that's entrusted to them. So every one of my team members, the leaders know them. You know, we do Enneagram, we do DISC, we do Myers-Briggs, we do the lo- your love language. Mm-hmm. We do all types of assessments to get to know each other. We do check-ins, we do huddles, all these things so that we can know, you know, really well. Guide, provide vision. You know, he says that he leads me in paths of righteousness, that we're going to guide them toward the vision of the organization. We're going to guide them in the right path that's best for them. 
and then protects, you know, we're, we want to protect those that are entrusted to us. Maybe protect them from a poor decision, protect them from getting slaughtered during a lunch shift if they don't prepare well. So just, hey, you might want to think about restocking some ice cream because I think some people are going to need it, right? Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes that's creating systems and processes that protect them and then teaching them how to do that as well. And then also providing. And then in that providing, we really talk about, you know, leading with care and the, the different things that you need to provide your team, those that are entrusted to you consistently, you know, so we try to apply this. We talk to, you know, I try to apply this as a dad, as a husband, you know, and my small group and all type of different areas that I have people entrusted to me. So yeah, I do. I love the application of it and how it just transcends life in the restaurant and at Chick-fil-A and you, you spoke to that where this is, these are things that need to be applied as a spouse, as a son, as a daughter, as small group leader, as a T-ball coach. There's so much room for application here. And how do you, how do you utilize this to um, steward well, those that have been entrusted to you, that you've, you've received the opportunity to lead. And even going back to your breakdown of it, the no guide, protect, provide. I love that you started with no and really seeking to understand the wiring, the things that they've been through in life that's led them to where they are today. Because I think too many times in our fast-paced environment, we want to we want to blow past that, right? We just want to guide them. Oh, yeah. We will protect them, and then we want to provide for them, and we want to see them succeed. But I think if you miss that step, all those other things really fall flat, and absolutely really really challenging. So. Yeah, so many great examples from that I could give. You know, one I, I, I want to talk about one thing I learned in this as I as that really fleshed out and came alive for me. You know, when I was when I learned about one thing that shepherds do. You know, there's so many things. Sheep are defenseless. They can't really defend themselves. They can't fend off predators. They can't do much, and so they can get parasites very easily. They can get all types of things wrong with them. So a good shepherd every day and definitely weekly will inspect every single one of the sheep that's trust to them and get in their face. They can get parasites, you know, in their nostrils and their eyes, and it can bother them in just a nuisance. They have no way of getting rid of it themselves. If they get most of the time they're in rocky areas, so they can get wounds. And if they're not cared for well, then they can get bacteria. It can spread at the infection across the flock. You know, they will, they will ram their head into a, into a stone in order to relieve themselves of this this, this pain that they have, they'll run themselves up a cliff. And so it's important for the shepherd to come inspect every single one of the sheep to see what he can do to help maybe protect or provide for them in a way that, that not only protects and helps that sheep thrive, but the rest of the flock, right? Because mm-hmm. if it becomes a nuisance to that one, they will spread that Spreads. through the entire flock. Yeah, absolutely. So it's so it's so transparent of how we should lead, you know, as as individuals. And just, you know, part of that, what we do in our team, like every director, no matter what, if you're the kitchen director, right, no matter what you lead or steward in the business, when you come in, when you clock in, the first thing you do is you make eye contact and say hello and good morning or good afternoon to every single team member that's on the clock, right? Yeah. Walk around the business. Hello, how are you doing? Good to see you. Fist bump. Hey, I acknowledge you. I know you're here. You can tell so much by just looking in somebody's eyes, mm-hmm. how their day's going, what's happening, what's going on in their life. You can tell their countenance in so many ways. Uh, they say the eyes are the window of the soul, right? Yep. And so 
trying to help them see that because they're going to need these things way beyond Chick-fil-A. Some of them are going to, very few of them are going to stay forever. I hope they do. But uh, the reality is many of them are going to go do things far beyond our restaurant. And so now I want to be able to use this in whatever path they take in life. Man, one thing's for sure. I think all of our guests are learning more about sheep and shepherds than they thought that they would <laughs> before tuning into this podcast. But I just love the illustration that exists with it and how much you can learn from it. Amazing best practice here. I think there's so much valuable that anybody could take just by applying this simple thing. When you walk into a job or into a practice or at home with your family, the first thing you can do is acknowledge each person and let them know that they're seen, that they're heard, that they're valued. And then checking in on the state too. I would agree that you can tell a lot just by looking into somebody's eyes and seeing what condition they're currently in. That's a solid best practice there that I think everybody can take and apply right away. I know that the shepherd leadership model, Nick, and we're, we're, we're rounding it out. I've got an, another separate question for you, but sure. it drives some behaviors for your team. And you have this care acronym that you utilize. Mm -hmm. And so expand on that. Talk to me about the behaviors that you like to see happen as a result of shepherding the team really well. Sure. So well, it's a part of that provide discipline and shepherding. So what we say is that you need to shepherd with care. You need to provide care. Every action of care should result in a reaction of feeling cared for. Those actions of care, those four actions would be we need to communicate in a way that creates connection. I think we have all been communicated in a way that creates disconnection, but we also know what it means to be communicated with in a way that creates connection. So we need to communicate. Secondly, we need to have a, provide accountability, but accountability in a way that creates appreciation. Right. We need to we need to provide accountability to our team, uh, standards that we that we've set, the expectations that we have that create appreciation for their role, for their job, that this is important, that what we do matters, that you're listening and you're watching and you're seeing what I'm doing, uh, that what I do has value. It must because you're spending time holding me accountable for it and you want me to be at my best and they appreciate that. The third one is really important that we miss is recognition, that we need to provide recognition, not just point out when someone's doing something wrong, that when they're doing it right, man, people need validation. And even the toughest of us, you know, I used to say, I don't need anybody to tell me I'm doing a good job in my twenties. I was so, so <laughs> wrong because I don't care. Even the toughest person when they get told, Hey, like you killed it right there, man. You did a great job. We can brush it off maybe in person, but man, inside there's something that lights up in us when it does that. And so that recognition that creates responsibility and says, Hey man, they noticed that I can do it. Well, I'm going to want to do it like that all the time. Right. And then it shows that everybody else around you, especially if we do it publicly, that recognition, man, this is the expectation. That's what Nick's expecting. Right. So if I see a perfectly made chicken sandwich in my business, Hey, like stop the press. We're going to stop everything that's going on. I'm holding up this chicken sandwich and going, I want everybody to look <laughs> at this chicken sandwich. Josh made the perfect chicken sandwich. We point it out, we open it up, and man, it's, and so that way everybody knows what a perfect chicken sandwich looks like, and they know that Josh did it, right? And it creates responsibility in the organization. And then lastly, empowerment, right? If you're going to lead with care, it's lastly, it's not just not being a control freak, giving it over to someone and saying, hey, I trust you. I trust you to do this, giving them roles that are um, in parallel with the level, their level of responsibility in the business. And, and so it's empowerment that creates 
engagement and enthusiasm. And so when we lead with care, those that we care for should feel cared for. <laughs> and so another phrase also comes to mind and that's cared for people, care for people, which is, is hopefully what happens and it multiplies, right? The way that, that they're led, they want to turn around and make somebody else feel that way. And they want to celebrate Absolutely. somebody else in that way. And they want to make somebody else feel empowered in this way. And so it's mm-hmm. this positive cycle that starts happening, which becomes really, really cool. What you celebrate gets reproduced. And when you praise that perfect chicken sandwich, other people also are going to, are going to follow with that and, and want to receive a similar type of recognition. Just awesome to see. This is so good. I could ask you like 5,000 more questions about communication and accountability and all these things. Um, But, but we'll keep it, we'll keep moving along. My next question, and we've talked about this a little bit already, is your personal story and journey. I know balance is a big part of that mm-hmm. and priorities that you are very intentional with. And so I'd mm-hmm. love to hear a little bit more about what you've learned through life around this, but then also just how it plays out today. Like what, what are the steps that you're taking for this to be lived out with your family now? Yeah, great. Well, thank you for asking that. And it is, uh, it's a part of my story. We love to tell now it was very painful early on, but I was, I was as driven and ambitious as, as anybody you've met. I wanted to, um, be all that God created me to be is what is the way that I would have put it in my twenties to wrap a good Christian bow around it. (laughs) But if I'm being honest that it was the ambition was for me to feel validated I wouldn't have said that until I received a little bit of counseling to make me realize that. You know, I spent my first career as a as a high school head football coach. I did that for a, a, a Christian school just south of Atlanta named Eagles Landing Christian Academy. Worked super hard. We started to win. We did a you know the team did a great job. We we experienced some great success. And my wife and I, uh, who were college sweethearts, started having our family, and we we had our first daughter. And my wife wanted to stay at home. I wanted to, I wanted her to stay at home. And so our income got cut in half and she started staying at home. And I, I loved coaching, but I realized that, man, I work a hundred hours a week and I don't make a ton of money. And I was very worried about that. And so just God provided this opportunity out of one of my boosters for me to, for me to go into the corporate world. And so I started as a sales executive in Atlanta and I worked my way into helping lead that sales organization that same type of ambition that drove me to win as being a high school football coach drove me to win here. And so it just really, really drove to be successful in that organization and do all that I could for them. At the same time, every I was very unsatisfied with myself because I know that like, if you try to achieve to be at the top of everything, you're really discontent with a lot in your life. And so from athletically, I was trying to be a competitive Ironman athlete, served on several boards. I was doing everything in the world to really validate myself by my successes, both physically, athletically, leadership, at church, and in everything that I was doing and at work. And where I was really falling and failing at that, it was at home. That came to fruition when my wife just finally said, hey, like, this is terrible. I can't continue to live like this. I don't want to get divorced, but we can't continue to do like this, be like this. And um, and she left and, man, we were separated and I was devastated. And the Lord kind of wrecked me and, and brought me to my knees in that moment. And um, I talked about the time I spent those four months with a mentor. And then also we went to the windshake marriage intensive that really turned our life around. And so that's the reason I'm an operator. Cause I said, Hey, if this company um, spends the proceeds of selling chicken sandwiches to do good like this, then I'm going to spend the rest of my life selling chicken sandwiches. 
and that's what made me desire to be a Chick-fil-A operator. Four years later, I was selected. <laughs> so, but that really is our our focus and our and our passion to do it. And really realizing that I was a really poor shepherd in those years. And I led for myself and I led for my own name and my own accomplishments. Didn't really realize that, man, I for me to thrive in life, my wife has to thrive. My children need to thrive. Those around me need to thrive. And it's not about me. This model kind of really led through some of that. I've just now realized it and put some some concrete words to it in the last few years. And, and it's, it's served us well here at Chick-fil-A. And so as you talk about balance and the disciplines we try to do, I try to pour this these same disciplines into my life, you know, at home and with our kids. You know, we sit down, we we have dinner together practically every night. I mean, even even if we have to wait for volleyball games and practices to be over and dance lessons to be over, even if we're not eating something like a well put together meal, we are going to sit at the table and look each other in the eye and talk about our day with the TV off and no phones on. Right, we're going to spend that time knowing each other. My, my wife and my two daughters taking this um, Gary Chapman's love languages. We all have taken an Enneagram. We know each so other's good. deals really, really well. We know how to deal with my daughter, who's an eight and 15 <laughs> and very like confrontational and um, <laughs> and doesn't like control, which is tough for a 15 year old. But we're able to navigate those, you know, really, really well, you know, realizing that really words matter. And the power of life and death is in the tongue. And so realizing that in the past, I may have used that for my own gain. And now it's really important as a shepherd to use that for the gain of those that have been entrusted to me. You know, so one cool thing that we do, like for my for my daughter's birthdays, ever since the wind, wind shape happened when they were very, very young. So coming out of that, I really was challenged by the Lord to use my tongue to breathe life into my daughters and into my wife. And so now it's really cool. So every birthday stand on top of our kitchen table and everyone that's there for the celebration, like of their birthday, we don't really do gifts. They stand around and have to you know, like speak life into the person, say something they love about that person on their birthday. And that's their gift to them. And so I write them this letter of like what I appreciate about them, what I expect of them and all those, all these other sort of things. So my 15 year old this year, was really cool. She turned the flip the script on us and she wrote a letter to my wife and I and said on her 15th birthday, like the 15 things that she loves about, you know, being in our family. And so it's just such a different story than what would have been written before the Lord really, you know, pricked our hearts. Yeah, um, man, it's, it's so scary to think about if that impact had never happened, right? If you would have continued trajectory right. in, in the life that you were on, that moment more than likely would have never happened. And so just to see God work in a really powerful way is amazing. And I'm a father also. I have a daughter. She's almost three. She's not at the level yet where she could write the 15 things that that she loves the most about her mother and I. Yeah. But, but I'm hoping for that one day. Also, my birthday is coming up in, in November and I'm coming to the Westbrook house. I want to stand on Come a table. On. Come on. <laughs> some, it happens. Some yeah, affirmation. Yeah. And anybody that spends her birthday at our house, that's what we do. Man, that is an awesome tradition and one that I'm going to take and implement. That's going to be a part of the the swing household tradition also. I love this, especially being a father and just your come to Jesus moment that you went through and just how you're living that out now. And I know that we've talked offline before just about your daughters and their involvement in volleyball and theater and dance. And you you're like, I don't miss a game or a recital 
if it's happening, I'm there because that's a priority and I want to shepherd them well, just like I shepherd my store well. And so it doesn't stop when you leave your restaurant, but it just continues on in a different way um, from a different lens is, is, is dad. Uh, we're wrapping up here, Nick. I've got a, a couple more closing questions for you. I, I know that you've talked about the impact that Windshapes had on you and even some of the mentors that you've had in your life. And I love giving opportunity for whoever the guest is to be able to shout out who some of those people are and, and get to share the impact that they had on you and, and the way that they impacted who you are today. And so, man, I would love to hear who were some of those multiplying leaders that invested in you that, that have allowed you to now multiply in others. Thank you. Um, I mean, that's that's such a privilege and honor to point them out, uh, especially publicly. So the first I will say was my headmaster when I was uh, coaching at Eagles Landing Christian. His name is Chuck Gillum. He now works for um, a different organization, ACSI, that helps govern private school bodies now. So he knew the Bible so well mm-hmm. and would always admonish me through like Proverbs and Psalms. And I'll never forget, like as a as a head coach when I was 24 and I, you know, we were winning and he brought me in his office and I thought he was going to tell me how good of a job we were doing. And he opens up his Bible and he reads the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. Mm. (laughs) And I thought, thought, man, this is intense. He's just always been such a great mentor to me. Um, Another would be that mentor I talked about that opened up Psalm 23. His name's Tim Sexton. Mm. Uh, He and my coaching mentor, Kenny Dallas, who is still coaching, at uh, Trinity Christian School uh, in Noonan. So they have a ministry called M46, based off of Malachi 4.6. And so M46 Dads, and you can look up on Instagram. They have a a devotional and a book out now and encourage you to read. So such great mentors to me during that time. My pastor, Mark Powell, um, at South Point Fellowship Church in Locust Grove. Oh, golly. I mean, man, has he shepherded me well and modeled this for me, for sure. And then, um, you know, as an operator, a fellow operator of mine, Britt McDade, over in Vidalia, Georgia, man, I didn't, I was an external. I didn't know anything about operating a Chick-fil-A and he has, he shepherded me well through all of that. So I'm very fortunate to have those men in my life. That is just awesome. I love it. And, and, just hearing the level of, of genuine impact they had on you through the way that you're talking about them gets me really excited, right? That's the end goal is for people to say that about Nick Westbrook or about, you know, Josh Swing one day or whoever's listening, right? Nick, I want to give you the opportunity for to close with any parting wisdom for uh, for our guests listening today. But the way that, that Psalm 23 closes, I think is very telling with at the vision for this and, and what we want to see accomplished. And I know David says, you know, surely with confidence that your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I think that's the way that we want people to feel when they experience us as leaders is to have complete confidence that surely your love, your kindness, your goodness is going to go with me and support me with whatever I go and achieve to accomplish in life. And so I just wanted to close it out and bring it full circle with starting with Psalm 23. But Nick, the floor is yours, man. Any any parting comments that you wanna you wanna leave the, the audience with? Yeah. So I'll, I'll say this: if there's something I could just part you with and leave with, and something to really chew on, is this: that God entrusts people to your care. And if you're listening to this podcast, it's because people have entrusted people to your care. God has entrusted people to your care so that they will thrive and that He will be glorified. 
not that you will thrive and that you will be glorified. He's ultimately entrusted people to your care so that they will thrive and that he will be glorified. And the Psalm in 20, Psalm 23, David's just singing back to God, like thankfulness of how God has led him. So my challenge would be at the end of your time of with the people entrusted to your care, what poem would they write about your leadership, your shepherd leadership of them? Would it sound something like this? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel near Eber because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I cannot think of a better way to close this out. Some great food for thought. What poem will they write about you one day to think about that legacy? That's all we got for you, people. We can't give you any more value than that. Nick, thanks so much for for being on with me today and sharing value with, uh, with all of our listeners. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, buddy. All right. I hope you've been taking notes because there's so much on this episode we can all take and apply today. If someone entrusted to you wrote a poem about your leadership, what would it sound like? I'd love that poem written about me to sound a lot like Psalm 23. How does that come to fruition? We follow this model that's very clearly laid out for us. We have to know, guide, protect, and provide for the people that have been entrusted to us. And to provide for those people, we have to care, C-A-R-E. C, clearly communicate with them. A, we have to apply accountability that creates appreciation. R, recognize. People need to know that they are seen. And E, empower them in a way that creates engagement and enthusiasm. Lastly, don't stop being a great leader when you leave work. Nick shared about the overlap of work and family and coaching and small groups. These concepts apply to every area of our life. Listeners, I'm going to ask you for a quick favor. Take two seconds, subscribe and rate the podcast if you have not already. Share it with somebody else who loves leadership. If you'd like to connect with me directly about how leaders like Nick are leveraging WildSpark, you can access my calendar directly on Chick-fil-A's LeadWell site. Also, feel free to email me. Email address is josh.swing at wildsparkwithaq.com. Until next time, stay saucy.